This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Pitch is lifted to right by Cassianos. Long run for Tucker over toward the line and foul territory. Makes the catch and the Houston Astros do it again. 2022 World Series champion. For the second time in six years, the Astros are baseball's best. They beat the Phillies tonight by a final of four to one and win the World Series four games to two. Welcome to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardian's beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Lang's researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. Sarah, we somehow made it. It's the off-season, so one happy off-season to you, which I'm sure you're already experiencing withdrawal, and it's been a whopping not even 48 hours yet? Just about. I mean, happy off-season is not really a phrase I put together, but I understand. You know what? Human beings need sleep. This is when we get our chance to sleep, although you are currently at the GM meetings in Vegas. So while it is the off-season, you're still doing some very exciting work. So maybe we'll chat about that, but I know the World Series ended a few days ago now, but since this is the first edition of Ballpark Dimensions, since the World Series ended, I feel like we need to go back and sort of give the Astros their due, give Dusty Baker his due, and especially, you know, give the Phillies a ton of credit for the season they had and the postseason that they had. And I was thinking maybe we can kind of do a hodgepodge talking about some favorite moments we had of the season. I was going through my computer last night, deleting screenshots on my desktop and ended up coming across many things that I've forgotten about from uh, from there. I, it, it's just, it's long and short at the same time when you think back of the whole season, and that makes zero sense. But for anyone who's a baseball fan, I feel like it makes complete sense. Um, you think about the beginning of the season and how long ago that was, and it's it's hard to believe that we're already at this point in the year. And I know going into the World Series, I was really expecting the Astros to just sort of run away with it. And it ended up being such a more exhilarating series than I thought it was going to be because the Phillies just wouldn't quit and that was such a fun matchup to be able to watch every single night um and so much so that I was I was really hoping that the Phillies would force a game seven just because I wanted to see what that was going to be like because it seemed like 
it was only fitting for that series to go to game seven. It seemed like it should just be like, okay, yeah, this is how it's going to be. It's fighting tooth and nail back and forth. Um, it was so much fun to watch. Selfishly, I wanted to watch it one more day, but um, it was such a great series. And I, I think it, everyone sort of expected the Astros to be the one to come out on top, although the Phillies surely made it difficult. But um, I know that there's countless things that we need to get to, including Dusty. But before we even get to them, or get to him specifically, just what was your, I don't know if I say major takeaway from this, but what was like, what was so enjoyable for you to watch throughout the first or whatever six games it was during the World Series? You know, I think it has to be Jeremy Pena. We already knew how much joy he brings when he plays the game. I mean, you go back to those memories of the season. He had his first career home run. While Heidi Watney was interviewing his parents in the stands at Angel Stadium in one of those Apple TV games in early April. And that was an amazing moment, of course. His father, Geronimo Pena, played in the majors. You can go back and almost say that the baseball gods were telling us, hey, pay attention to this guy. And for a while, he actually seemed like the consensus AL Rookie of the Year. Then Julio emerged and Adley and Pena, of course, got hurt. But in the postseason, he was undeniable. We saw him win uh, ALCS MVP against the Yankees. But then in the World Series, he hit 400 with a home run. Of course, that key home run to put the Astros ahead in game five. He had a 1023 OPS in those six games, and he made some really key defensive plays, which don't show up on a box score. But there were a lot of moments where it felt like the game turned on a ground ball hit to him. So I think one of the most enjoyable parts for me was watching him you know he does the uh, that new heart emoji that's in the emoji dictionary where it's like you put your hands up and make a heart he does that when he gets a hit or when he hits a home run he's really a young kid doing all of that and to see his joy in the way he plays the game he was the first rookie position player to win World Series MVP. He is the second rookie to win LCS and World Series MVP in the same year, joining Levon Hernandez in 1997. He won NLCS and the World Series MVP. But it's just amazing because, you know, we have this juxtaposition of Dusty, the 73-year-old, finally winning his World Series ring. And then his team in the postseason being carried by this young rookie. And I just love that that shows us how far baseball really stretches. I think that's the thing for me. It's just like it's this continuation of the let the kids play mantra of how fun it is. Well, you look back and you think back to, oh, gosh, two years ago or whatever year it was now where uh, Randy Rosarena became this huge story or three years ago. Oh my gosh, I don't even know what year it is. Yeah, 2020. It's 2022 right now. Yeah, that <laughs> would make sense. Um, 
and you had him become a big story. And so you start looking back and you start thinking of all these young guys starting to take the stage. And it's especially those who, I don't want to say come out of nowhere, because obviously they were in a position where they're on this roster for a reason. They're having success for a reason. But it's not the guys that you focused on all year long. I mean, you have Julio Rodriguez. You have um, Adley Rutschman. Even a guy like Stephen Kwan. Like, these types of rookies were the ones who had all the headlines all year long. And then you have someone like Pena who comes up and is like, uh, hi, I'm here too. And by the way, I'm really good at this game. And so uh, it sort of had the same thing. I remember when a Rosarena became such a huge story. I know our uh, own uh, Juan Toribio was, had a story, a huge long form story that was unbelievable about his background and how he got to America and this journey for him in baseball. And he was this no-namer sort of in a way of, Okay, well, everyone started to cite Juan's story in every broadcast because everyone wanted to know every single detail about Randy as you could possibly have um, because he was this huge deal and you didn't expect him to be. And so uh, I, I think it's whenever it comes out of the blue like that that it's just so captivating in a way. And that's why Jeremy Pena was so uh, enjoyable to watch throughout this entire, I mean, I can't even say one series because it was both. Um, but it was, it's, it's that type of thing where you, it takes you by surprise in a way of it's not the same guys who have gotten the same rookie headlines all year long. It's just, it's someone else. And it shows that the game's in really good hands moving forward for generations to come. Another guy who was so much fun to watch was Jordan Alvarez. So he had those two key home runs in the ALDS game one, the walk-off, and then game two, he had the go-ahead in the sixth inning off Luis Castillo. And then between that home run and his, his plate appearance against Jose Alvarado in game six, he went five for 42. So not necessarily tearing it up between then, but he's still someone who was fun to watch because of that mammoth home run that he hit. Basically to cement the World Series win for the Astros. In the bottom of the six, Jordan Alvarez the batter. The fourth time that Alvarado and Alvarez have hooked up in this World Series. Alvarado's 2-1. And Alvarez belts it deep to center. It sends back fairly. Still going back at the wall. See you later. See you later. A three-run home run for you. Four hundred fifty feet above the batter side, dead center, with the team trailing one nothing. Of course, Kyle Schwarber had hit that home run, and it seemed like the Phillies were striking first in this amazing pitcher's duel. Rob Thompson takes out Zach Wheeler, brings in Jose Alvarado, who, by the way, had allowed three home runs to lefties in his entire career. Lefties were hitting sub 200 against him in his career. But you just had that feeling. You know, we talked on the podcast about how you called the Harper go-ahead home run in the eighth when they clinched the NLCS. I didn't call this home run because I was at home working and watching. But my version of calling it is that I had already started typing the note for if Jordan hit the home run. Because 
there is this thing with him and hitting go-ahead home runs with the team trailing in the sixth inning or later in the playoffs. So I already mentioned two of them. He did that in ALDS Game 1 with the walk-off, and he did it in Game 2 as well. So I knew as he was marching to the plate and during that pitching change that if he did it, because I believe this was the seventh inning, I knew that if he did it, it would join that list. So I already started typing. Jordan Alvarez is the only player in postseason history with multiple go-ahead home runs in the sixth inning or later with his team trailing in a career, and he now has three all post all this postseason. I mean, it's just insane to see something like that play out in real time. And again, you know, we can talk more about the Phillies than we will, but. It's one of those moments where even though he had had not the best postseason overall, if you look at all of the stats, he's inevitable. He's Jordan Alvarez. And I do want to correct myself. It was the sixth inning for this one as well. That's why the stat is sixth inning or later. I said seven. But I was just ready for that. You knew it was going to happen. But again, so much credit to Alvarado, so much credit to Jordan. He still had to do it. And he homered off a 98.9 mile an hour pitch. That was the fastest pitch that he's homered off of in his career. And I love this part. Two of the three fastest pitches he's homered off of in his career happened this postseason. That home run in ALDS game two that I was referring to before, came off a 98.3 mile an hour pitch, and then there's one in the middle. So that's the third fastest. This was the fastest, then this is why they're the Astros. Even in a year where their offense was not as overwhelmingly good and, you know, beating up teams as it had been in some of the other years during this run they've had. They had just enough offense. They had Jeremy Pena getting on base. And even if Jordan Alvarez did not get a ton of hits, boy, did he get the ones that matter. Yeah, and I think it was was a pass and who started to continually say that the Astros are inevitable um, on Twitter. And as soon as they clinched and he tweeted that again and it, it just it felt like that and that's sort of how it was and I know you said the same thing with like Jordan but that was just sort of setting the tone for the entire team and it just felt like okay when's this going to happen it was it was cool to see them be able to clinch it at home um, I know every team wants to lock it up as quickly as possible so maybe they wouldn't have wanted to lose this couple games here and there but uh, to be able to do that in front of a home crowd and get it back to game six uh, I'm sure was really special for them. I know it's been um, nearly a decade since that's happened where you can celebrate in front of home fans. So um, thanks to the slings on sports. Uh, <laughs> what is that? My, my own sports bureau that I rely on um, for any type of stat. But yeah, I mean, it, I think it was just this inevitability it felt like of how are the Astros going to do it? When are they going to do it? Um, and 
they're always kind of sort of in it. And this year just felt a little bit different. Like we always talk about how the Dodgers have been in it so frequently um, and they never can really, they obviously, it's not never, but it's not as frequently. It seems like they can push it past the finish line. Um, this year felt like it was that year for the Astros. I thought from the beginning that if they could get past the Mariners, I thought the Mariners were going to be the most difficult draw for them. If they could get past the Mariners, I thought that they would just cruise to the finish line. Wasn't as much of a cruising in the World Series as I expected it to be. Uh, the cruising came earlier, which I didn't expect it to be because they didn't lose until they got to the World Series. Um, but it was, it sort of just seemed like the stars were aligning for that to happen. And so, yes, happened again. And it's, it's fun to see it against a team that's not there as frequently. It's fun to see an underdog type of team compete the way that they were. And the Phillies being so gritty, that was just such an enjoyable series. But, you know, tip the hat to the, to the champions because that was, that was fun to watch. It was so much fun to watch. And I feel like it's a perfect transition to Dusty who is so much fun to watch, so much fun to talk about. We talked about him entering the World Series, and we talked about all of the, you know, narratives and everything, most wins without winning World Series, most games, most everything, right? It's gone now. He talked about that on FS1 after the game. He said, hey, they'll stop talking about it now. And we will, but we need to give credit to how long he stuck around in this game. So he went 40 years in between World Series titles. So he won in 1981. So we start counting in 82. He won 81 as a player with the Dodgers. We start counting with 82. We stop counting with 21. That's our 40 years in between. That is the most years between any two World Series wins for any individual in baseball as a player and or as a manager. The prior longest such stretch was 29 years by Bob Lemon, who won with Cleveland in 1948 and then managed the Yankees when they won in 1978. And I think that comparison is important. He went 11 more years than anybody else had in between titles. And he stuck around. He was still there. And I think when we saw him take the job with the Astros, we know the situation he was inheriting after the sign-stealing scandal and everything else. And he was brought in to sort of steady the team. But I think a lot of people also looked at that and said, okay, we can finally get that ring. This is a really talented team. And he's always so insightful. And something he said after the game that really stuck with me was he said, I'm glad it took so long because I would have been gone a long time ago. And now I got to stick around and impact these players, their lives, their families. Um, so I was curious if we could sort of uh, quantify that. And of course we can, because we can't quantify, you know, someone's child. 
whose life has been made better by Dusty being their father's manager. But he played a game with 308 different players, and he's managed 558 different players. So that's more than 800 people who have had their lives positively impacted by Dusty Baker. That's, the, I mean, that's as cool as it gets right there. And I, I, I mean, that's just direct. That's the direct uh, impact from Dusty. And those are the, that's literally the number that have been directly impacted by him. But think of the number of people who are just in the baseball community who didn't get to play alongside him or play for him. Um, I mean, I know we talked about this two weeks ago or three weeks ago when we talked about him to in general. And I said that Terry Francona talks about how special of a man he is and, and he doesn't even know him personally. It was more something where Tito Francona, his father knew him more personally and played with him. And, um, that passed down to Terry Francona and that warm, fuzzy feeling that everyone seems to have about Dusty Baker is now passed down from father to son because he hears all these great stories. And so when you're around the game for so long, you can become such an icon. And people always talk about how you can hang around too long. You, you're around long enough to sort of see yourself become the villain or you go out when you're on top. Well, Dusty defies those odds. He can hang around forever. He's not the villain and he's still as loved as he was. And it seems like no matter when he chooses to go out, he'll be going out on top. Um, and so that's what's just, it's so cool about him because you, you don't see this type of, of person ever, really. He's a, a once in a generation type of, of person for any type of community, let alone just the baseball community, where everybody has something so positive to say about him. Um, I think that's, that's really special. And it was just, it was really neat to be able to watch him in the dugout whenever the clinch was official and you, you see them make the catch and it's just like the grin that comes across his face. Like it's suddenly he's not this old man in the dugout anymore. Who's been around baseball for decades. He's this guy who's seems like it's like his first time a kid walking into a candy shop for the first time. And it's like, Oh my gosh, is this what heaven is like? Like, this is amazing. And it was so And he finishes scorecard that was the part everybody <laughs> noticed with that moment uh-huh. he still took the time to write in that Kyle Tucker caught that ball he could go back and do that but that tells you how long he has been in this game again a manager yes. since 1993 with some years in between but he first became manager in 93 and playing since he was 19 years old in the majors i mean that is someone who needs to finish his scorecard before he celebrates winning the world series i mean that's just as pure as it gets um i i think it's just you saw every tweet from either the astros or astros fan accounts or whatever it was everything had the same caption of we won this for dusty and you know i mean there's guys there's pena he's this young kid that's so excited to be there that has never really experienced this before and this is his first time there's so many different guys that are part of this team um i know trey mancini wasn't the most productive throughout this time that they would have hoped that he could have been um 
but you think of the journey that he's been on. I mean, you think just personally, obviously he was uh, a, a latecomer to Houston getting picked up halfway through the season and traded, but um, you think about his personal life of where he was in the last few years battling through cancer and not really sure what his baseball future held and the way that he was able to come back and now is able to celebrate and understand the feeling of what it's like to be a World Series champion. There's so many people who would be part of this team who are worthwhile of saying this is really cool to experience for each individual, but everyone was bought into the same idea of this is for Dusty and this is for Dusty only. It's just sheer joy and thankfulness, you know. It's not relief at all. I mean, because everybody was talking about it more than I was even thinking about it, you know. And so, uh, you know, I always said before that if I win one, you know, I'll win two, but you got to win one first. I mean, the one was hell to, to get to this point. And, uh, but uh, it was well worth it. Um, I'm in a great city with great people, great fans, and I got a great you know, great ball club. Before we officially just cut this off here as much as we would like to just rant and rave about him forever. Um, and then we can, we can go to a quick commercial break, but I wanted to make sure you had a couple more minutes or seconds to talk about your, your, what are your favorite people in baseball? I have one more stat I want to throw out there. So this was actually from Chris Kampka who does uh, research for the White Sox broadcast on NBC Sports Chicago. So amidst everything going on post-game, he tweeted that when Dusty made his managerial debut April 6, 1993, with the Giants, they were in St. Louis playing the Cardinals, and the leadoff editor was Geronimo Pena, Jeremy Pena's father. It's just an amazing full circle moment. The first batter that Dusty ever managed against. I know it was a road game, so he sort of managed his batters hitting first. But the first opposing batter that a Dusty Baker managed team faced was Geronimo Pena. And then his son wins ALCS and World Series MVP as Dusty finally wins his first title as manager. I mean, it's just incredible. And again, I just come back to perseverance, an amazing baseball life, an incredible perspective. So we are so lucky to have him. Baseball is so lucky to have him. And just what an incredible moment for the sport. That is a textbook baseball is the best Sarah Lang's type of stat. So uh, glad we at least threw that one in there because I can literally read it on Twitter right now where you're posting that and then at the end it would be all caps, baseball is the best. Um, so yeah, that's perfect. I absolutely love that. And there's nothing more to say about Dusty Baker than he inspires so many baseball is the best type of moments. We'll take a quick break right now and we have so much more. We'll have to give the Phillies some love. I mean, they put up a heck of a fight so we can give the Phillies a little bit more love that they actually, that they definitely deserve. And then as Sarah alluded to earlier, we can talk about some of our favorite moments from the year because 
Uh, I think it's only a matter of minutes before Sarah starts going into uh, withdrawal mode of, of not having these moments anymore. So let's relive them one more time. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Baltimore Dimensions Podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardian's beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. And Sarah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but really need to give the Phillies a couple moments here to because what they did, you think about the, we talk about a journey of a baseball season, my gosh, like they're dealing with managerial problems almost halfway into the season like it's not even like it was within the early weeks of the year where they're trying to figure out what can we do it seems it's it's months into the season where they're trying to figure out what they needed to do um they had to they decided to part ways with joe girardi they needed to figure out exactly the right path to go down rob thompson was the one who was then took over um and handled the managerial duties for the rest of the season and then somehow this team just clicked and it was not really anything that halfway through the year, I think really many of us, any of us would have projected that they would have not only been in the postseason, not only gotten to the World Series, but given the Astros such a difficult time, a team that had really steamrolled their way through it. I know almost all of their games were so close, so you can't say it was just like a complete steamroll to the World Series, but they figured out ways to come out on top every single time. No one was able to figure out how to quite throw them off. And um, the Phillies were the little bit of a juggernaut for them. And, and it, was, it was a competitive series. It was an enjoyable series. And this team just was, it was easy for fans who didn't maybe have their favorite team in the World Series to pull for because everyone loves an underdog. Everyone loves a feel-good story, and we've talked about it before. We talked about it heading into the World Series, why this team is so enjoyable and fun to watch and easy to root for, um, whether it was music or whether it was just the way that you would watch the videos of the, the town reacting. Like, Philadelphia was insane throughout this entire like run, this whole postseason run. The videos were so fun. You'd see bars going nuts, and you'd see... Fans running down the streets and you'd see them freaking out in their living rooms with their friends and family that they had over. Like, that's, that's as good as it gets when it comes to watching baseball. So it was just so easy to buy into this team, whether you're, you're, they were your favorite team or not, and just sort of root for chaos in a way of like, all right, let's see what else they can do. It was. I mean, 
It was chaos. It was exciting chaos. And this team just figured out a way to get it done. And I think we need to give credit to a few things. One being a rule change. The fact that there was a designated hitter in the National League this year, this would not have been possible otherwise. Remember, Bryce Harper needs thumb surgery. Bryce Harper was not able to play the field after a certain point this year, but he was able to come back and DH because of the DH existing for the National League. He was able to DH all throughout the playoffs, and that got them there. And, of course, the fact that there was an added wild card. I mean, they were the last team in. Everyone kept saying that throughout the postseason, and it's worth emphasizing again. We talked about this, I believe, after they clinched, but they were 21-29 and 29 through 50 games. That is tied for the fourth worst record through 50 decisions for any team to win a pennant. There have only been three teams with a worse record through 50 decisions who won a pennant. And of course, it was the 19 Washington Nationals, the famous 1931, and then the 05 Astros, they were 18 and 32. That just shows what Rob Thompson was able to do and what this team was able to do to rally around the idea that they weren't being given up on, even though they were at that point. I mean, Thompson was only the ninth manager, I'm sorry, the ninth instance and eighth manager, one guy did it twice, to lead a team to a World Series after the club began the season with a different manager. He was the first to do that since Jack McKeon in 03 with the Marlins. This was not what anyone saw coming, and that's what makes baseball so exciting. But when you see Kyle Schwarber out there crushing baseballs, when you see Bryce Harper doing that, and Reese Hoskins, and these guys coming out and pounding the baseball, it doesn't feel that unexpected. So that's why, even though they were this massive underdog, they were able to give the Astros a really good fight, and we want to make sure to get them full credit for that. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's you think about the whole postseason as a whole and all the moments that they gave the baseball world. I, you think of something as small, maybe small and the outsider's perspective, I'm sure big for them, like the Nola brothers, you had that, that was, feels like it was decades ago now, but the Nola brothers uh, instance of being able to face a brother, face batter, and oh, just so cool, like the, to be able to have that, that moment, you think of, we, you talked about it already, like the Bryce Harper homer that I know I'm going to remember because it was something that I've been, I've been able to talk about with my parents on the phone like all right guys uh turn on this game right now because this moment feels like it's about to happen um in a way that they sort of had that same inevitability that the Astros had and in such a different form because they weren't this completely dominant team I know for us specifically when I watched the Schwarber homer in front of you on FaceTime because you were like uh have you seen this yet because I was wrapping up my coverage of uh 
Cleveland that day and I had not been able to check Twitter, watch any other games. I had been busy in the press box, just got back to my hotel and was continuing writing. And I was like, no. And you said, okay, well, FaceTime me because I want to see your expression live. And was it Harper who had like one of the best reactions to it in the dugout whenever he saw it? I mean, you're almost seeing a 500-foot home run in the postseason. That's ridiculous. It was so, I mean, there was just so many different moments throughout this postseason that, yes, they come up short. And I know there's a lot of fan bases. Um, you think of New York in particular where, okay, if you come up short, then it's not even worth thinking about. It's like, well, then the, the goal wasn't accomplished. Um, but it's it's these types of moments that you can sit back and think, this was still such a fun year. You think about where they should have been. If you think back to where they were in May, June, the figuring everything out, like you said, through 50 games, um, and what they actually turned this season into and how fun it was for that fan base that we got to watch every night on Twitter, it seemed like, um, see a different celebration by every fan in the Philadelphia, New Jersey, uh, outside of Philly and uh, southwest Pennsylvania area, or southeast Pennsylvania, I should say. Let's pretend like I know directions. I'm from Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, but it's just, you think about all of those types of moments, and that's what made this postseason so ridiculously fun. And it wasn't just a cakewalk for either team. The Phillies made it so difficult on an Astros team that was challenging to get by, as we saw throughout the, each of the earlier rounds. Um, so yeah, I think the Phillies deserve a lot of credit. I know Philadelphia was disappointed with how it went. Um, but now they have the Eagles who seem to be doing quite okay, uh, in, in the NFL that they can just go and carry all that momentum over to, which I'm sure they already have and wasted no time doing. So, uh, yeah, what, what a special year it was for them. And I feel like we can now transition a bit to talking about just job moments. And I want to preface this with neither of us really prep for this idea, but I, I just think part of what makes baseball so amazing is so many things happen over the course of the year. And of course, we remember the big ones. We remember the World Series MVP. We'll remember the actual MVP when that's announced. We'll remember those things. But there are so many things that are big in the course of day-to-day -day baseball that then kind of get lost to the even bigger moments. So I was just kind of thinking last night and remembering, oh yeah, remember when that happened and that happened. So I thought we could go back and forth. I'm prefacing with this, though, to say that if you're a fan, we don't mention your favorite moment. We're not trying to avoid any team or player, anything like that. This is very freeform, so don't take offense to it. But the first thing I was thinking of was, remember when Vlad Jr. hit three home runs at Yankee Stadium? That was in April. That was the first three-homer game of the year. There were 14 three-homer games this year. The Pirates had three of them in about a two-week span in June, including ones on back-to-back -back days. And Vlad got it all started on April 13th at Yankee Stadium. You heard Don Alvarez, who we're talking about, had a three-homer game against the A's on September 16th. 
I didn't even remember that, and that wasn't even that long ago. <laughs> I know. You keep saying these, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I wouldn't have if you wouldn't have brought it back up. April seems like it was forever ago. But, yeah, right? now that you bring it back up, I remember everything talking about Vlad Jr. that day. Like, that, of course, that you start to pop back into my head, but no. I, if you don't have a plot, like, if you don't have, like, a moment that you designate, like, right now to think back... It's hard to remember all of this stuff. I mean, for me, it's easy to go to like the top moments for Cleveland that I was able to write about this year. And the biggest one for me that I go back to, there's two and both involve the same dude. Um, Josh Naylor against the White Sox, where, I mean, that was one of those games that at least for Cleveland fans, they're never going to forget. Um, it was like this kind of like a statement without them realizing it was a statement at that point of the Guardians can hang with this division, which was supposed to be the White Sox division, clear cut, dry, all of that. It was no debate. Um, and Josh Naylor had a game tying grand slam. It would have been one run in the eighth on a double. In the ninth, it was a grand slam. And then the 11th, this is all my bad memory. Uh, a three-run homer that was eventually the go-ahead, like that was the deciding homer. And it was just ridiculous. You got to see full force the alter ego of Josh Naylor because I don't know what happens to him. He just turns into another human being, um, which ties into the second moment for me that I remember is when he had another big moment, um, this time in Cleveland, it was a walk-off and comes down and headbutts Tito. Yeah. And not only just, like, nudges him, like, full-on, both hands grab the side of his head. And obviously this wasn't the first run-in because Tito had a helmet on to prepare. He was ready. So clearly there's a history there that we didn't know about. So Tito equipmented up and had his helmet on to protect that um, bald head of his. And Naylor grabs both sides and full force just slams his head into it. So much so that you could see like Tito's head like a cartoon accordion just sort of like his neck go down. Um, and it was funny. He even said post game that day when he finished, he was like, are you guys done asking questions? I got to go ice my neck. <laughs> and like, it was like a funny joking Tito type of way of saying it, of course. But like you said, I just think about these moments that yes, so many fans are going to be caught up on postseason and like how fun this team be became. So now they're disappointed that they got knocked out by the Yankees and it could have been further and all these things. But like these little small moments throughout the season were so fun at that day and so fun in that moment to watch um, that those, those two immediately jump out for me. Something else I can't not mention is the Derby. I mean, not just the fact that we got Juan Soto winning, Julio, his entire emergence. I mean, we knew Julio Rodriguez was good. And people who really follow the game very closely already knew how good he was. But if you were a baseball fan who watched the Home Run Derby, there was no doubt in your mind how good he was and how captivating and electric he was by the end of the Derby. It really put him on the map. It was that moment 
and coming, you know, coming in second to Soto. But everything that happened, I mean, Pools winning over Schwarber in the swing off, the fact that Pools advanced, I mean, there were so many exciting moments in that. And of course, we consider the All-Star game as well. One of my favorite moments, and it wasn't even baseball, was uh, Mookie Betts leading the entire crowd in wishing Rachel Robinson a happy birthday because it was her birthday and she wasn't able to be at the game. And it was just an amazing moment from him, a leader in that team, and of course with the black community as well. It was just so perfect at Dodger Stadium, all of that. And... Uh, Gosh, there's so many Mookie moments. Now remembering he was mic'd up on some baseball and he was asking Soto if he could borrow his eyes. Yes. Remember that? Yes. He's running off the field and he knows he's still mic'd up and he goes, can I get your eyes? And Soto goes, can I borrow your bat or something? <laughs> I mean, it was so perfect. These players, I mean... Every year it feels like we get more and more insight into who the players are, who they are on the field, and how they interact with their peers. And the mic'd up moments this year, I mean, we talked about them every week on this podcast. They were so great. And in the postseason as well, those in-dugout interviews with Ken Rosenthal and Tom Verducci after Guy's Homer, I mean... Where else, what other sports, you get an immediate reaction to a game-changing play like that? I mean, the mic'd up, like you, that was going to be the next thing that I brought up. Like, think back to when we got to see Adam Wainwright's entire pregame routine. I mean, you got to see inside of his head, inside of what he does, and not only is it just cool for an enormous baseball fan to just see how it works, but you think about the kids watching that and the kids that can learn from what it's like. And he was like, oh, well, they always say if your stuff's off in warm-ups and people get worried about that carrying into the game, who cares, whatever. Like, don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Like, the advice that he can give to these kids that are able to take that and run with it in their little league careers and not really stressing as much about the min like the minor things that he brought up or... Um, I know Jose Ramirez had a funny mic'd up moment when he was yelling at Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman, you're one of the best hitters. And then he paused and then he said, after me. And he made sure that he brought up the fact that he was the top guy. Um, and it's just funny. And you can hear, because everyone talks about like Jose Ramirez chirps all game long. And no one knows what that means. But then you got to hear into it that he's sitting there just screaming Freddie Freeman Freddie Freeman and it's just uh you get like you said an inside look in the game and every year it really does seem like we get more and more of that and uh it's been really really a great benefit advantage of baseball that no one else really gets in other sports so there's so many things that I think baseball is just really bringing to the table that other sports can't quite or haven't figured out how to just yet um, and this is one of them because, gosh, the, the inside moments that we had this year were really t next level. And I don't think, I, I think the first moment that we had with Mookie 
was when they started this mic'd up process when he said, oh, I'm not getting to this one, boys, whenever he was chasing after it. Like, I think that's going to be the ultimate moment forever and that'll never be topped because it's something we had never seen before. And you got to hear the inside perspective and the personality of a player in the middle of a play. Um, but ever since then, it just seems like each year they're, they're figuring out how to do this better. And this year was really, really great. So when we come back, we'll, as usual, have our favorite moments from baseball over the last week, since this is the last time we'll have baseball for a couple of months. So let's savor this moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardians beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. And Sarah, do you want to start us off? Do you have a favorite moment from the past week that you can at least pick one moment? Let me specify. I know you have eight trillion favorite moments, but can you pick one moment that you had from the past week? It's hard, but I will pick <laughs> one. I think, I mean, we have gone all this time without mentioning that there was no hitter in the World Series. So I feel yes. like I need to mention that. We have discussed how we were both huge fans of no hitters. We're always the people rooting for them to happen, rooting to yes. do all of the extra work involved. And it is so worth it. And yet again, it was. So it was really cool. I was lucky enough to be there working. So. To witness not just no-hitter, not just a World Series game, but a World Series no-hitter sharing a press box with so many people, including Hall of Famers like Jason Stark and Claire Smith. I mean, just really incredible. So that is my favorite moment, and I just, I mean, I know it was a combined no-hitter. I know people have combined no-hitter opinions. It was a World Series no-hitter. A team played an entire World Series game and did not allow a hit to their opponent. It is amazing. Full stop. That's all there is to it. Amazing. I agree. And after I sat here and just yelled at you to pick one moment, I'm going to have a tie. So here, I, I guess I'm being a hypocrite now. But okay, one, how have we not focus on the fact and you might need to help me figure out exactly what I watched dusty drinking yes. out of that ice sculpture world series thing but they had it like where it's like those drinking hats that has the it can run through and has like a whole cord that runs through you can see the type of party animal I am um the cord that runs through the whole ice and then at the bottom they can pour stuff in at the top and at the bottom it pours out and Dusty goes in like he, he's a 21 year old at a college party and 
just is ready to go and catches all of it as it comes out at the end. Um, and the best part of it was not only him partaking in that, not him, not only him being successful in partaking in that, but the cheesy grin afterwards, yeah. like he stood up and then just beamed and was like, I did it. Like we did it. Like it was just all this moment of, it's not, like I said before, this old man anymore. It's like this kid who's experiencing something for the first time. And it was just so genuine, so pure. I think a close second for me was also the Sarah Lang's detox at the end of the season of going through your computer and making sure that you got rid of everything that you've had, bogging it down that made it sound like it's a spaceship ready to take off because it is on overdrive and you have 8 trillion windows open and icons and things on your desktop. But what came from it was a thread of baseball dogs from the season. And I thought that thread was so awesome. And I found myself, I, I saw it and I only saw like one below the original tweet. And I'm like, there's no way she would have posted a thread of just two. And so I clicked on it and then it was like 50 and I'm like, okay, this is the more of the Sarah that I was expecting. This makes more sense. Um, and I, all of them were awesome. One, it doesn't get better, we talked about, than baseball with little kids, baseball with animals. So uh, the dog thread was fantastic and highly recommend you go back and check it out if you haven't seen it yet. So those were my, my top twos, but there's some good that can come from Sarah being a uh, weird computer hoarder <laughs> in a way of never getting rid of anything, including random tabs that she doesn't remember why they were open since the beginning of the season. You get a dog's red at the end of the year, which I appreciated. Exactly. No, I was going through all of the screenshots that I have on my computer, because I'll take a screenshot to tweet it out. And sometimes I remember to delete it. I tweeted more dogs this year than were in that thread. But the others, unfortunately, I did remember to delete in the moment. But there were some that I just had forgotten to. A lot. So, a a lot. lot, a lot. The best part <laughs> is I said thread when I had only found one. But I knew there were more, so I was confident <laughs> using the word thread. And I ended up with a handful. And I mean, there's more I found on that desktop. I decided to save some of it for the next <laughs> few days, so you'll see. Just great moments, screenshots, reminding of all the really fun things that happened this year. And I will say again, I believe I said this last week or two weeks ago. No, I guess last week. Um, if you're looking for baseball to watch, MLB baseball is over, but that is not the only baseball. I'm a huge fan of the Dominican Winter League. It is very easy to watch now. If you have MLB.tv, literally go to MLB.tv. And there are games to watch almost every day of the week. I look at the schedule right now. We're recording on Monday afternoon. There's one game tonight at 6.15 Eastern. Uh, Estrellas at Lisey. I will always say if Lisey, the Tigres to Lisey, have a home game, that should be the one you watch with sound. Franklin Mirabal is their announcer. He is the... He is my favorite announcer to listen to. 
in an oldly dome and maybe all of everything. He is so much fun. There's three games tomorrow on Tuesday and again Wednesday, Friday, and so on. So uh, if you want baseball to watch, I just saw O'Neill Cruz is joining one of the teams. You'll see a lot of major leaguers you recognize and a lot of up-and-coming prospects. Um, Ronnie Mauricio, for any Mets fans, is on Lisey. He's, of course, their top shortstop prospect. So a lot of fun, good baseball to watch. And if you're like me and you took advantage in high school and haven't used it much since, it's a good way to kind of work on your Spanish by listening to the uh, announcers. Something tells me I won't be as successful in the Spanish department as I will be at understanding the baseball side of it. But great recommendation, regardless of honing those Spanish skills, maybe a little bit more, if you could. But that'll do it not only for this podcast, but for the season, which seems so weird. But we'll, we'll get out of here now because I know there's so many more moments that we could talk about from the year and we can get to those. But that'll do it for this week's podcast. As always, don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show, which we always hope you are, or you have any suggestions for us at all, please leave us a rating and a review. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, and we'll see you next week.